Jaideep Prabhu, thank you very much indeed for talking to us today in the Judge Business School's White Paper podcast. Can you tell me a little bit about what your research into innovation shows? So this recent paper with my co-authors looks at the relative importance of government policy and national level culture relative to what's happening within corporations in driving innovation. And, and what does it show? I think it, it turns current thoughts on their heads, doesn't it? Because the global factors aren't as important as the internal factors within the corporation itself. Many people, that's right, many people have thought over time that what happens at the national level and what the government does must matter a lot uh, in driving innovation. And we tested this idea and compared it to what was happening within corporations and found to our surprise that um, the government and national level drivers were far less important than the firm level drivers of innovation. But that's quite a surprise, isn't it? Because if you look at China, if you look at the United States of America, if you look at Britain, if you look at Europe, they've all got innovation policies. Indeed. And that was partly the impetus for our project. Uh, we wanted to see if uh, those attempts at the national level uh, were worth all the effort. Uh, and it may seem as if um, uh, they aren't. Well, then what should you do? If you want to drive innovation, particularly in the current recession, what should you do to make innovation in your corporation successful? Clearly not go and knock on the door of the government. Yeah, so, I mean, clearly firms are very important. People have known that for a long time. And what happens within organizations matters a lot. We found that what we call the corporate culture uh, towards innovation matters a whole lot. By this we mean certain attitudes and practices that employees within the organization um, take on board and, and live out um, matter a lot towards driving innovation in their companies. And I believe one of those was risk-taking. There are two or three, aren't there? Can you just take us through them? Yeah. So the attitudes that matter are three. Uh, one is risk-taking, as you point out, the willingness to try out new ideas even if they may fail and may cost the company money. The other two that we found mattered were a focus on the future and future markets as opposed to merely current markets. And the third was a willingness to cannibalize your current success in the interest of future bets. And what does cannibalize your current success mean? Just take a risk. Well, it, it means something more precise than that. You may have a product that's very successful at the moment, but your focus on the future may suggest that you need to introduce a product that might actually eat into the sales of your existing products. And that is something you're going to have to do in order to keep uh, innovating. And if you follow these rules or guidelines, if you like, it does increase the profit margins, you suggest? It, I think, first of all, increases the growth. Uh, that is, it gives the company opportunities to... Um, to capture new markets um, and to increase their revenues and sales. But because the costs are quite significant, this may not translate immediately into profits, but should in the long term. And I believe that you also have something called uh, product champions, you know, that people can encourage that kind of innovation within a corporation. Yes, so we just discussed the attitudes that are important, but we've identified three practices that matter as much one of which is the practice of using product champions. These may be individuals 
uh, at the top of the company, like the CEO, or at various other levels within the organization. These are people who are passionate about a particular new idea, maybe a new customer segment that they've identified or a new product or service that's designed to meet the needs of that segment. And they literally champion that idea and galvanize other people in the company around that idea. And do you think you could teach corporations how to innovate more successfully, particularly, as I say, when the world is entering a global recession? Um, we hope that uh, our research suggests some concrete ways in which firms can generate um, more uh, innovative activity. Uh, I mentioned the three attitudes, the three practices were product champions, using incentives to stimulate enterprise, and, and also to have internal markets that sort of bring the discipline of the external market into the organization. We feel that companies that are able to actually embody these attitudes and practices and live them out are likely to be more innovative. So to the extent that companies can, can, can um, adopt these attitudes and practices, we feel they will be more innovative in future. And I suppose it has lessons for the recession simply because it's about change and how to manage change and come through change more creatively, if you like. Yes, and in fact, it reminds me, a recession is a time of difficulty and, um, uh, you know, the old saying about necessity being the mother of invention. I think necessity is the mother of in innovation because not only does it force you to have new ideas but also to find innovative ways of commercializing those ideas, and that's innovation. Um, so companies are forced to come up with better ways of satisfying customers and getting customers to spend their money. Uh, the best way to do that is just to come up with a product or a service that customers really feel they need despite the uh, constrained economic environment. And if companies can do that, then they're also assured of a better performance despite difficult times. But if I was the Prime Minister of Britain or the President of America or uh, the leading uh, opinion formers and politicians in China or Europe, wouldn't I want to encourage innovation now? Wouldn't I sit down and draw up an innovation policy? You're almost saying, don't do it. Uh, there are two different issues there. Certainly encourage innovation. Uh, in terms of policy, uh, we're not saying stop doing the things you're doing. Um, they're important, but they don't make a difference in the sense that, let me clarify what that means. So I'm not saying, we're not saying that a, a government should not have uh, uh, intellectual property laws. Those are important. Uh, we're not saying that governments shouldn't have tax credits for R&D spending. Those are important. But the fact is that increasingly countries are converging on these policies and there's very little that will help differentiate one country from another in, in those very broad terms. What does differentiate countries, one country from another, is the companies that operate within those countries um, and, and, and how uh, innovative those companies are. So what governments can do is to recognize this and raise consciousness around those issues, encourage corporate leaders and encourage the education system to create those attitudes and practices within people who will be future employees of these companies. And you also looked at the role of religion in yes. corporations and societies and the climate, hot or cold yes. climates. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So as I mentioned, there's been a lot of work um, in various disciplines looking at why some countries may be more innovative than others. Um, and 
various uh, social scientists uh, or um, historians for that matter have come up with different explanations for why at various points in time some countries have been more innovative than others. One set of explanations um, emanating mostly out of sociology is around religious beliefs. Um, so you have Max Weber's famous uh, Protestant ethic. Certain beliefs about the here and now versus the hereafter may encourage or discourage people to innovate in the world, as it were. That's the religious uh, angle, uh, if you will. Um, the, the angle uh, of geographers is to look at where the country is located uh, and, and the weather and the climate. The idea being that the further you are from the equator, the colder and more in, inhospitable the environment. In a situation like that, you're forced almost to think about the future, which is a very important aspect of being innovative. Um, now, it's very interesting that we don't find that either of these matters terribly, uh, and there are all kinds of explanations perhaps for that. Uh, on the climate one, I think it's simply that technology to a great extent has neutralized the effects positive or negative of the climate. So take Houston, which uh, was probably uh, an economic desert for a long time because of its extreme heat. But once air conditioning was discovered, uh, it, it changed that, changed all that, and Houston is a, a major industrial center. And so basically, now if we're looking across the globe, actually whether it's religious beliefs or climate, the one thing you notice is that corporate cultures are driving very much in the same direction, aren't they? Yeah, and you see that as well. So we find that uh, uh, you know, um, innovative companies can be found in any of the countries we studied, um, you know, regardless of whether they are the developed, most developed countries like the U.S. or Western Europe, or the, the emerging, the so-called emerging countries of India and China. Um, and so smart companies are catching up because they're learning from each other regardless of where they are. However, we think it's much harder to catch up in terms of corporate culture than it is to catch up in terms of government policy. Uh, corporate culture, which are these attitudes and practices, are very sticky and hard to replicate overnight, whereas government policy can be replicated fairly quickly. But you would be suggesting that... that successful, innovative corporations share what they've been doing, uh, their approaches, uh, their successes with one another, so that it becomes a learning tool for others to take on, use. Absolutely. I think uh, I'm a great believer in that. And I think in this space, people can learn a lot by sharing. Um, and co corporations can and do want to learn from each other. Um, you know, the, in business schools, we, we do a lot of work in the executive education space. And increasingly in that space, um, people discover that there are important lessons to be learned across sectors and across companies. And, and executives are very keen to learn from each other. So the final tip is, if you want your corporation to innovate, to change, to be creative, to think beyond the recession, then you must encourage the factors which give rise to innovation in your firm, like risk-taking. Absolutely. So that would be the bottom line of our paper, is to raise consciousness about the importance of these dimensions or aspects of corporate culture, the three attitudes that I mentioned and the three practices. And we feel that companies that are able to successfully live out these attitudes and practices will be successful in terms of innovation during the recession and after. Jadeep. Prabhu, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Judge Business School's White Paper podcast today. Thank you.